Hey, everybody. Before we dive into this week's podcast episode, I just had a couple of things that I wanted to say. First, I just wanted to thank you for listening. I, I'm hoping that this has been an encouragement to you, something that's challenging and motivating and helping you grow in your faith in Christ. I know that it's been helping me with my own personal walk and my own um, study of Scripture. The other thing I wanted to, to just kind of give you some heads up on a couple of things to be looking for. One, I'm going to be doing my last episode of season one next week. Um, and then I'm going to be taking a short break uh, and be coming back at the beginning of August with season two is my plan. So a couple of things to be looking for. One, next week's episode, but then also be looking for season two coming. I plan on creating a Facebook page where I can keep you updated on what to expect, what season two is going to be looking like, the exact release date of season two so that you have an idea and know what's going on. My plan is in this break period is to be able to start developing the next series of topics that we're going to discuss. Um, and again, I just thank you again for, for listening and please stay strong in the power of Christ and make sure that you're staying in his word. This week, I want to talk to you about one of, quite honestly, one of my greatest struggles. And I'm sure that you have probably had times in your life where you feel this way too, but it's just that struggle of being content, being content with whatever God has given you, being content with wherever you're at in life, whatever your circumstances are, with your job, with your money, with your house, with your car. I mean, think about the last couple of weeks, we, we talked about the fut- futility of life and how it's all vanity, it's all empty, it's all pointless. And how as a society, as people, as humans, we are geared to wanting more than what we have. We often have thoughts go through our heads, something along the lines of, if only I had this, then I would be happy. If I could just get this pay raise, then I would be complete. If I could have a bigger house, then things would be easier for me. If I could drive a nicer car, then everything would be great. The problem with this is you are not demonstrating contentment. And contentment is very important. In fact, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul, writing to Timothy, he says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. There's gain to be had in contentment because when you can learn to be content, you learn, you will find peace. For we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. Now, how hard is that? How hard is it to be content with just food and clothing? Most of us, most of us would not settle for just that. I mean, even as I speak, I am currently in a house that is being cooled by a nice air conditioner here in the high humid uh, region of South Carolina. I ate a good meal. My wife made me a nice lasagna. I have a bed to sleep in. I have a car to take to work. I have a nice job. I have all of these things. How can Paul say if just food, just clothing, we can be content? That's a struggle for us. Because even with all of these nice things, I I did the research and, and I suggest that you do this at some point if you if you have time, but you can go online and you can find these websites that'll tell you what 
percentage of the world you are richer than. How rich am I? I mean, quite honestly, most of us, if you have a median income in the United States and an average family size, you're probably going to be in the top 10%. That may blow your mind, but it's true. Most of us, most of you listening to this podcast are probably richer than a very large majority of the nation, and yet we are still not content. Uh, You hear the phrase first world problems, right? Uh, my pastor in my former pastor in New York, he used to like to say this stuff. Like you have a first world problem. If you're trying to decide which car you take to work that day, you have a first world problem. If you're trying to decide what to wear that morning. And yet in spite of all of this, we are not content. We always want more. We want something more than what we have thinking that it'll fulfill us, thinking that it'll bring us peace, thinking that it'll bring us happiness. I remember growing up that uh, one of my siblings, who will probably be listening to this, so I will apologize for using you as an example, but one of my siblings was always looking, she was always looking to the future. She couldn't wait for the next big event to happen. I can't wait for my birthday. I can't wait for Christmas. And I remember my mom always saying, don't wish your life away. Why? Because if you are constantly waiting for the next thing to happen, you're constantly waiting for, you are going to miss out on what God has for you right now. Contentment is very important. Paired with godliness, contentment is great gain. Verse 9 of 1 Timothy 6 says, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. I am sure you have seen this in other people's lives, if not your own. I've seen it in my own life. That that inability to be content with what you have will lead you to pain. Because you'll constantly be pursuing something that will fail you. It can also lead to pain because it can make you It can put you in a position where you make poor decisions. You make decisions that are unwise, which will lead to pain. Sometimes you make sinful decisions that will lead to pain. I'm sure if you think hard enough, you can think of somebody in your life that you have seen because of their lack of contentment, because of their desire for something, it has left them hurting and broken. For me, I don't even have to look further than myself. I always wanted to fly airplanes. I love flying airplanes. So when I was 16, I learned how to fly. Got my pilot's license by the time I was 17. Went to a school where I continued to learn to fly airplanes and I graduated with a degree in aviation, missionary aviation to be exact. But when I got out of college, I didn't get a job in that field. In fact, I have not flown since April of 2009. That was a struggle for me. I had a hard time being content. And because of my discontent, anger began to build in my heart. Because of my discontent, others around me were hurt. Because of my discontent, I failed miserably in my career. Because of my discontent, I suffered. 
I needed to learn to be content. It is a struggle. It is hard. Take a look at 2 Corinthians. Paul is content in his weakness. How many of us can say that? Why is he content in his weakness? It's because when he is weak, he is strong because of the surpassing power of Christ is what is shown through him. Chapter 12, verse 7. It says, So to keep me from being coming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations. Okay, so this is Paul talking. He's saying, to keep me from being conceited, to keep me from becoming prideful, because we're all prone to pride, even the Apostle Paul, because of the surpassing greatness of revelations. He had just talked about some visions that he had seen. And what he's saying is that to keep him from becoming prideful because of these revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul wants something. He was not content with this thorn in his flesh. So he asked God three times to remove it. But God's response was, no, my grace is sufficient for you. Therefore, Paul will boast more gladly of his weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. In verse 10, he says, for the sake of Christ, then I am content. With what? He's content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. He's content with insults. He's content with hardship. Paul was shipwrecked. Paul was beaten. Paul was in prison. He had every reason not to be content with his life. And yet he says he was content because he was content in the power of Christ. Persecutions and calamities. So everything was a hassle. It seemed like nothing that we were trying to do, all of it outside of our control. The computer not coming when it was supposed to. And then when it did come, having a deadline of pixels. And then when I got to re- decided to return that, I couldn't get my refund. And you just start thinking, all these things happen, you start thinking, man, if this was just not in my life, then my life would be great. If I could just get that new job, if I could just get that new promotion, if I could just, if I could just get this, then I would be happy. Then I would be content. And the problem is we just wish our life away. Forgetting what God has for us now. Paul says that he was content even in the hardships, even in the persecutions, even in the insults. He was content. But I I want you to also understand something about Paul. Paul was not always content. In fact, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 10, he says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Now, pause for just a second. What do you mean Paul was not always content? He says that I have learned in whatever situation I am being content. 
Paul was on a spiritual growth journey just like the rest of us. He had to learn to be content just like the rest of us. Do you want to know how you learn to be content? God puts you in situations. God puts you in circumstances. They're going to make you want to be discontent. That is how you learn to be content. That is how you learn patience. That is how you learn to trust in God. He says, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In, every, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. He's learned to be content. No matter what he's facing, he's content. So what are you facing right now? What is your circumstance? And that you need to learn to be content. Now, I want to be clear about something. I want to be clear about what contentment is not. Okay, because this this talk of contentment, it, it can become a struggle because contentment is not apathy. Contentment is not sitting on the couch, just lollygagging around, doing nothing, and, and just waiting for the end to come. That is not contentment. It's not apathy. In fact, if you read through scripture, people like Paul and Peter and, and, and the apostles and the prophets and Abram, these were not Man, these were not people who were not full of, who were apathetic. They were actually full of passion for Christ. So, so don't get this idea that contentment is, is apathy, that contentment is being lazy. That is not the idea of contentment. The idea of contentment is that you are at rest in who God is and that he is in sovereignly in control of your life. The other thing is that contentment Contentment is not waiting on something to change before you take action. I, I don't know about you, but I found myself at times in life where I'm just thinking, well, I can serve God in that way when fill in the blank. And you're waiting on something to change. Maybe it's that you're waiting on a spouse. Well, once I get married, then I can... I, I, no, serve God more fully. Maybe it's when I get out of my financial burden, get out from underneath my student loans, then I can serve God more fully. Maybe it's whatever it is, fill in the blank. Most of us have something that we are waiting for our circumstance to change before we serve God fully. That's not contentment. You have to rest in who God is. But the thing about contentment is it's not just that it's it's not a life of apathy. It's not a life without passion. That's not what contentment is. It is also it is also not settling for less than what God has for you. And I think this is where a real struggle comes for us. Because we want to be content. And so sometimes that means we need to stay where we are at. But that is not always the truth. Sometimes God wants to move you. God moved Paul. God moved Abraham. God moves people in Scripture to serve Him. So contentment isn't just putting up with your circumstances or resigning yourself to less than what God has for you. Again, it goes back to what it is. It is a rest in Him and who He is. It is trusting in the Lord. Contentment is difficult, but where? Does Paul get his strength? This is one of the most common verses in Philippians 4. The next verse here 
is verse 13. Philippians 4.13. You have probably seen this verse on a t-shirt. You have probably quoted this verse many times in your life. It can become a mantra. I've, I've, you, you know, we take it out of context a lot. But it is, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Get this. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. This is not a verse in the context of being able to throw up the game-winning shot in the basketball game that you are trying to win. That is not what this is. No. This is in the context of being content. I can do all things. What Paul is saying is, I can be content in every circumstance. No matter what is going on in my life, I can be content in it. And I can accept it for what it is. And I can rest in the sovereignty of God and trust that He knows what's best for my life. And trust that He is taking me where He wants me to go. I can do it all through Christ who strengthens me because the surpassing power belongs to Christ and not to us. So are you content? Are you content with what you have in life? Are you resting in his grace? Are you resting in his strength? Are you resting in his might? Or are you always wanting more? Are you always pursuing something other than him? Check this out. Back in back in 1 Timothy, where we started. The very next portion of scripture says in verse 11, chapter 6, verse 11, But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. So he's saying, flee the pursuit of money. Because it's the root of all kinds of evil. Right? He says, flee these things. Pursue. So it's always the put off and put on principle, right? You, it's not enough to just stop doing something wrong. You need to replace it with doing something right. And it says, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you were made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. See, that's what. Paul is saying it's not a life of apathy. It's a life full of passion, pursuing Christ, pressing on toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God, running the race with endurance, laying hold of the object of our faith so that we can recognize the futility of this world so we do not lose heart and we can continue to press on, fight the good fight. Taking up our armor, taking up our shield of faith in all circumstances. Don't you see? I hope you have seen through this podcast series so far how the Word of God all ties together, how it all intertwines. Because we're all supposed to be about Christ. What Paul said in 2 Corinthians was that he would do it for the sake of Christ then I am content. We owe Christ everything. Everything. He says, for the sake of Christ, I am content. Colossians, he says that, that in all things, Christ may be preeminent, that Christ may be first. Contentment comes when you pursue Christ above all else. Contentment comes when you rest in his word when you rest in his sovereignty, when you rest in his grace, when you rest in his love, when you rest in his mercy. But you can't do any of those things if you don't know him. 
the Bible is clear to say that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You can't even begin to know what this contented peace means or what it is like. I actually heard it once described that it seems impossible to understand from the outside looking in, and it's almost impossible to explain from the inside looking out. But there is a contented peace that can come when you know Christ as your Lord and Savior. So do you know him? Have you placed your faith in him? And if you have, are you just giving him your eternity or are you giving him your life now? Because that's the problem is sometimes as Christians, we want to just say that Christ died on the cross to save us from hell and from our sins. But he, he did so much more than that. The gospel impacts every point and every aspect of your life. And if you want true contentment in who he is, you have to rest in his word and you have to understand that it impacts every aspect of your life. And the only way you're going to know how that works is if you're in his word studying. So are you content to serve God or are you pursuing something other than him? Mm-hmm.